Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome back to Trinity Green Trails. Good to see you guys. Uh, this morning, we are in the fifth week of the series, Red Letter Challenge. It's the fourth week of the challenge. If you're first time here this morning, uh, we started this adventure five weeks ago where we've been looking at the red letters in your Bible. You know, some Bibles, some publishers have taken the liberty of coloring the words of Jesus in red so that we know his words. And so this challenge has been about not just studying the words of Jesus, but actually doing what Jesus says to do. You know, the verse, the sort of theme verse for this whole series comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, his closing uh, instructions to us. And this is what he says, you know, the wise man hears my words and puts them into practice. And he contrasts that with a foolish man who hears the same words, but doesn't put them into practice. It says the one that puts them into practice is the wise man. Not just the one who hears them, but the one who actually does them. And so we have been, for the last four weeks, looking at what it means to actually chase after Jesus and do what it is that he tells us to do. And it has been a challenge. Uh, and as we start today, in this week, it's uh, actually kind of wading into a little bit deeper water. And I know that is for me this week. And we're talking this week about giving and really this idea of what do we do with uh, finances, with our money. And uh, I would say before we step off into deep end this morning, I'd ask you if you would bow your heads and pray with me as we begin. Father in heaven, oh, we gather in the name of Jesus and we do desperately cry out. We cry out for understanding. We cry out for courage. We cry out for your heart. Father, we do seek after your ways, but we, we admit before you this morning that it is a challenge. So we need your help. And so I pray this morning that you would work in this time, that you would soften our hearts and make pliable our ears, and that you would change us and mold us, that you would give us courage to walk in your ways, to trust in you. Father, I pray that for Jesus' sake. Amen. You know, there's this man named John, and John had a really serious heart condition, and he ended up with a major problem and in the hospital, and they did surgery on John. And when he was being ready to be discharged, a doctor told his wife, you have to keep John still and quiet. You can't allow his heart to race, because if his heart starts to beat too rapidly, you could undo the work that we did to repair his heart. He could die. And so you need to keep him calm, and you, you need not get his heart racing. And so she took him home and she put him into the bedroom and did everything she could to make him comfortable and to keep his heart from racing. She took the TV out of the room and she turned off the internet and, and took away his phone so he couldn't get on social media just to kind of keep him calm. And as she was doing laundry, and some of the laundry was the clothes that he had when they went into the hospital, she was going through the pockets, and she discovered in one of his pockets a lottery ticket. And she wondered, huh. And so she went online, and she checked, and sure enough, it was a winner, a $100 million winner. And she had a decision to make. What do I do? I can't tell him. If I tell him, it could excite him too much, and he could die. What do I do? And so she figures, I don't know how to tell him. Who could I get to tell him? And she thinks, I have an idea. I'll call our pastor. Because who better to talk about money than a pastor, right? Because, you know, they talk about it so much. But who better? 
And so she calls their pastor and explains the situation, and he says, okay, I, I think I could talk to John, and he has no idea what he's going to say, and he shows up, and he sits down at John's bedside and says, John, he goes, I'm so glad to see that you're doing well, that you're recovering, and after a few minutes of sort of like some chit-chat, he looks to John, and he says, John, I have a question for you. He's like, if you were to inherit a million dollars, what would you do with it? And John said, well, that'd be simple, Pastor. He, guys, I'd give half of it to the church. And after hearing John say, say that, the pastor fell over dead of a heart attack. <laughs> we have to admit, it is hard to talk about money. It's hard because it hits us where we don't like to be hit, right? We think it's our wallet, but it really kind of is someplace a little bit north of that. It's kind of in our heart. And what happens is when we start talking about money, we are easily convicted by what God's word has to say about it. And that's the challenge in talking about it. Because it's no easier for you to hear it than it is for me to teach it. And I would argue it's more difficult for me to teach it. Because in order to teach it, you have to study it. And the more you study it, the clearer it becomes God's command about how we handle and how we view money. And it's convicting. It's convicting, and there's no wonder that Jesus spoke about it so much. In fact, outside of the kingdom of God, it's the thing that Jesus taught about the most. He was concerned about you and I, and so he taught about it, and he knew that if he only mentioned it once, we wouldn't probably teach on it. So he taught it over and over and over again, so it would be hard for us to ignore. We couldn't miss it. There'd be big blanks in all these red letters if we cut out all the things that Jesus said about money. And so to be true to Jesus, we want to talk about money. Because when you think about it, and when you read Scripture, the Bible is continually warning us that it is money that competes for God's affection. And when you think about it, think about this. Money promises you the same thing that God does. I'll be with you in good times, and in bad times. I'll be with you when you're sick and when you're well. I'll be there to clothe you. I'll be there to feed you. I'll be there when you need me. You can trust in me. Money promises the same thing that God promises us. And it competes for our hearts. It competes for our loyalties. But let me be clear, it's not money that's the problem, right? It's not money. That's not what God's word says. Paul tells Timothy, it's not money that's the problem. It's our love of money that's the problem. And it's not the money itself, right? You don't sit around your home just staring at your money, right? You stare at your money dreaming of the things that your money will buy or the things that money promises. That's what we dream about. That's what captures our hearts. And Paul says to us this morning, that when we are eager for money, when we seek after money, when we put money above everything else, some people chasing after money have wandered away from their faith and caused themselves all kinds of trouble and grief and pain. So it's no wonder Jesus, who loves you deeply, talks so much about money because he cares for you. Jesus taught 
a lot about money. And one of the places he taught that was in his Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching to this Jewish audience that had been instructed by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law of the day who had sort of warped the Torah and what the Torah had said about God and his instructions and his law. And they made it all about the outward appearance. Jesus is constantly talking to the Pharisees. You're so concerned about what people think of you, what people see in you, that you pay no attention to the inside. You pay no attention to what's the inside. One of the ways Jesus put it is that you wash the outside of the cup and the inside of the cup is dirty. If you cleanse the inside of the cup, the outside of the cup would be clean as well. You see in 1 Samuel that this is what it said, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And that's the teaching in the Sermon on the Mount talking about what God looks at, what God values, what God sees. And God sees your heart. The Pharisees gave their money. They gave to the needy. They gave to the poor. They prayed. They fasted. All of these religious observances. But Jesus said, your hearts are cold. Your lips praise me, but your hearts are far from me. And that's what Jesus is teaching us today, that this understanding of money and how we view money is a heart problem. And when we chase after money, what we're really doing, Jesus says, is we're deceiving ourselves. We can deceive others, and others can look at us and think we're doing all the right things. But when we put money ahead of God, what we're really doing is fooling ourselves. That's a dangerous way to live. And so as we look at this text today, the text that you just heard read, I want to point out three things that I think Jesus wants to teach us today. The first thing is that there's a heart problem that requires an eye exam with a knee solution. There's a heart problem that requires an eye exam with a knee solution. What do I mean? Let's see what Jesus says. Here's what he says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. This translation in the NIV kind of gets, misses the mark a little bit. In, in some other translations, it misses the mark. It uses that phrase, store up, meaning put aside. Right? And, and then really the, the word there, that the meaning of that is a little bit deeper and a little bit more revealing. The way you could say that, really the, the meaning that's being conveyed there is Jesus saying, do not treasure for yourselves treasures on earth. Do not make the things of earth, the created things, the most precious things. Do not treasure them. Do not place your trust in them. Do not honor them. Do not put your hope there. Do not place your identity there. Do not place your future there. Do not treasure the things of this earth. Why? Because they're all temporary. They're all going away. If rust doesn't get it, moths don't get it, somebody doesn't break in and steal it, eventually it's all going away. Or you are. But eventually it all goes away. It's all temporary. Jesus says, why would you place your hopes and your dreams and your future in temporary things? Because when you do, all you will do is worry. All you will do will be anxious Wondering what will happen next and how can I protect it and how could I, not, 
How can we be generous? Because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But Jesus does. Jesus is telling us this morning, don't treasure the things of this earth. They're temporary. They don't last. It's a fool's bargain. But see, there's another warning in Scripture that we make too much of money, but there's also the warning about making too little of it. You know, in Proverbs, Solomon says this, be sure to know the condition of your flocks, careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. Solomon is saying, you need to take an accounting of what God has given you. God has blessed you with these things, this material wealth of the world. God has given that to you for a purpose, for you to care for your family and your loved ones, but also for you to be generous with. So you need to know what it is that you have so that you're not foolish with money. Money doesn't mean nothing. We have to put it in its proper place. You cannot take it for granted, but you cannot make it your God, and you cannot take it for granted. In fact, he says earlier in, in Proverbs, he says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. They make way too little of it. The blessings that God has given you, you spend all of it on yourself. You just gulp it down. And we spend it all on ourselves. And we just take the things that God has given us for granted. And there's just no room to be generous because we make too much of money and we make far too little. And Jesus is saying, that's the problem. It's money or the things that money promises. And some of you are sitting here going, well, I don't know about you, but I, I don't know where I'm going to pay my rent. I can't be generous. I, I can't even pay my electric bill. 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And that is no way to live. And I would argue that Jesus is telling us, and as the scriptures tell us, the reason that is is because we've either made too much or too little of money. We've taken it for granted, or we've made it the ultimate thing. And so we need to understand the value of money, its place. And so for some of you, I want to encourage you in February, we're going to offer this class, Financial Peace University, where we together can learn how to pay off our debt, start saving money and budget. There's a four-letter word, spelt with five. We can budget then we can also be generous. It's about learning to put money in its proper place. That it's not an ultimate thing, but a thing that is to be not taken for granted, but to be thankful for, because it's from God. But Jesus goes on to say, so then where do you put your affection? Where do you put your trust? Where do you put your hope? What do you treasure the most? But the things of heaven, the things that will not pass away, the things that cannot be stolen, the things that will be secure forever. That is where your true treasure lies. That is what you should treasure. Store up for yourselves treasure. Treasure the treasure of heaven. What does he mean? Later on in this chapter, in verse 33, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, 
of God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and the things of this world be given to you as well. Seek his kingdom, his righteousness. Seek Jesus. Seek after the things that Jesus values. Seek after his ways, his kingdom, of which he has made you a subject, which he has made you a citizen of, his kingdom. And he has given you his righteousness. Those two things, your identity and who you are and your future, are secure in heaven. No one can take you from the Father's hand. No one. Jesus said, you would be wise to treasure that. You would be wise to seek after the things of the kingdom of God. And then Jesus finishes this section by saying this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says, it's not a head issue. It's not math problem. It's not if I have this much, I can spend this much and I can give this much. That's not the problem. He says, it's a heart issue. You want to be generous? Do a heart check. Where are you placing your hope? Where are you placing your security? Where are you placing your dreams? In the things of this world or the things that Jesus values? I had a pastor once tell me this. He says, show me your checkbook and I'll show you what you love. And Jesus is saying, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's not a head issue. It's a heart issue. Let me explain it this way. It's a head issue, not, it's a heart issue, not a head issue. And when I say head, I don't mean some maritime reference, although it could work for that, right? But it's not that. When our children were younger, when our son was about two and a half, we tried potty training him and we got him to go number one on the toilet. That was pretty simple. But number two was kind of difficult. And we tried, and we tried, and we tried. And he just wouldn't do it. And he's stubborn, not like his mom. He wouldn't do it. <laughs> and we couldn't figure it out. And one day we're standing there in the kitchen, and we're talking to each other, and we're like, why won't he go? I mean, he'll do the other. And we were dumbfounded. To which our five-year-old daughter, his older sister, piped in and said, well, I think he thinks there's monsters in there. Oh, really, Catherine? And why would he think there are monsters in there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and so we tried to convince him. There are no monsters in the toilet, but no amount of convincing. We couldn't, we couldn't appeal to his head. Well, then when Terry goes to the hospital to give birth to our third daughter, Emily, my mom comes in to watch the older two. And Terry gives birth to Emily, and after she gives birth, my mom brings up our two older ones to the hospital. And Alex jumps up in the bed, and Terry grabs him and realizes there's no diaper on my son. Like, what kind of craziness is going on in my house? And he looked at, her, looked at Alex, she looked at him and said, where's your diaper? He goes, I'm a big boy now, Mommy. I go poop on the potty. <laughs> and it was like, well, how did that happen? And so we talked to my mom, and here's what she said. You see that yellow blanket there? That was his bee. 
And he loved his bee. He slept with his bee. He went everywhere with his bee. And so here was what my, here's the grandmother wisdom, all right? She told Alex, I'm going to take your diaper off, and if you poop in your underwear, I'm going to take your bee. Alex never pooped in his pants again. <laughs> See, it was a heart issue. You got to the thing that Alex loved, and it was his bee. We tried to peel into his head, and it didn't work, but you peeled to his heart, and it changed everything. And that's what Jesus is saying. It's a heart issue. It's not a head issue. Your inability to be generous, it flows out of your heart, not your head. And so Jesus goes on to say, here's the, here's the fix. Here's what you need. You need an eye exam. Because the eye is the lamp of the body. If the eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus is saying to you and I that if we can see correctly, we live in the light. That word there, healthy, really is meant to be generous. That's the meaning of that word in the original language, generous. If your eyes are generous which flows out of that heart, then your whole body will be generous. Everything about you will be generous. But if you stare into the things that aren't of light, if you stare into the things that are temporary, if that's where you fix your eyes, then you're fooling yourself. You're deceiving yourself. You think you see correctly, but you're absolutely blind. And every part of you is blind. Because all you do is spend your time gazing upon the temporary. Your eyes are fixed on what's just out of reach. And you can't see anything else. We need an eye exam. We need to refocus our attention. We need to refocus our eyes in the things that we gaze upon. That's why Paul tells us that we need to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what on is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Same thing that Jesus is saying. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus and the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Paul knows that when you stare into the face of Jesus, when you gaze upon his love story, when you fix your eyes here, what you discover is a God who loves you, a God who is just, a God who is merciful, a God who says, you are my treasure. You are the most important thing to me. So much so that I gave my one and only son for you, for your life. That's how much you mean to me. See, when we gaze upon God's word, when we gaze upon Jesus, when we fix our eyes there, what we discover is that all along, God has been pursuing us. All along, his eyes have been fixed on me. His eyes look at me. And he says, Tony, you're my treasure. You are the most valuable thing to me. 
That's what Jesus wants you to know. You are his treasure. You are most valuable to him. He longs for you to know that. Fix our eyes there. Fix our eyes on Jesus. But when we refuse, when we continue to sort of deny Jesus' truth and, and stiffen up our necks when it comes to money, this is what Jesus says. You'll be ignorant to the truth. You'll deceive yourself into thinking that you can serve two masters, that you can serve both God and money. And Jesus says, you're kidding yourself. There is no way. You cannot serve both God and money. It's impossible. You can't do it. Either you're going to hate one and love the other, or you're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Do not deceive yourself that you can manage this. But here's what we do. We hold up God's word, and we hold up our money, and we hold them in detention, and we think that if we do the right things, if we give and we pray and we do all of these things, then I can do what I want with this because I'm doing all the right things. And we believe that we can manage both. We believe we can balance the two. We believe we can do that. And Jesus is saying, no, you can't. No, you can't. It's not a management problem. Here's the problem, he says. It's a worship problem. It's a heart problem. You can't worship both. You try to balance yourself between the two, and that's no way to live. John says in Revelation, you know what he calls it? Lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. How I wish you were one or the other. But we think we can manage this problem, and Jesus is saying, no, you can't, because it's not a head issue. It's not a management problem. It's a heart problem. And one or the other, one or the other will demand your allegiance, your devotion. You can't say you're devoted to God and devoted to money. You can't fool yourself into thinking you can serve both masters. One will demand that you worship him and him alone as the things of this world demands your devotion. If you place your hope and your trust in money, it will demand your attention. It will demand your devotion. It will demand your worship. Jesus says, if you place your hope and your trust in me, you will find that that burden is light. You will find that you will not worry if you place your trust in me. It's not a head issue. It's a heart issue. Where we fix our eyes matters. And where we bend our knee matters. We cannot fool ourselves into thinking we can do both. We cannot. Trying to live a balanced life, <laughs> it gets us nowhere. That's why in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, John Ortberg says this, he says, the paradigm of balance simply doesn't capture the sense of compelling urgency worthy of human devotion. It's largely a middle-class pursuit. 
It lacks a notion that my life is to be given to something larger than myself. It lacks a call to sacrifice and self-denial, the wild, risky, costly, adventurous abandon of following Jesus. Ask hungry children in Somalia if they want to help you achieve balance, and you'll discover that they're hoping for something more from you. And I believe that deep down, you are hoping for something more for you as well. That is what Jesus hopes for you, more. More than we're currently settling for. Jesus tells us it's a heart problem. It requires an eye exam, and the solution is to whom we kneel, to whom we worship. Joshua, as he's bringing the people into the promised land, as they've come out of all these years of slavering and wandering through the desert, God brings them into the promised land, and and Joshua, before the people, says this. He says, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors that they worshiped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors that served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live now? He says, but as for me and my family, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Jesus is asking us all a question today. Whom will you serve? To whom will you give your heart? To where will you fix your gaze? And to whom will you kneel? Jesus is asking us today to choose. Let it be Jesus. Let it be Jesus. 